Good morning, church family and ministry friends. This is Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet, around the world church service. And I am so glad that you're here today. And also, may I say Merry Christmas to you, as I know that tomorrow, Monday is Christmas Day. So wherever you're at in the world, Merry Christmas to you and your family. Praise the Lord. As I know, God is doing great things in your life. Praise God. Now, let's go to the book of Ecclesiastes and look just for a moment in chapter 3. And I want to read verse 1 and 2, and we're going to receive the tithes and the offerings today before we jump into the message. Praise the Lord. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. And then he goes on to say, a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted. In other words, there's a time to plant, and then there's also a time to reap your harvest. Praise the Lord. You know, it would be very very strange for a farmer during sowing season to not sow anything. Now there is a little book called a farmer's almanac here in America. That's very popular. It's been sold every year for over a hundred years. And every farmer buys that book at the beginning of the year so that they can get an idea of probably how the weather is going to be. But it's also got instructions for planting and farming because if you're going to plant corn or alfalfa, alfalfa or whatever it might be, you need to know when is the season for sowing. And it's very interesting because in God's kingdom, we work with the Holy Spirit considering what God has on his heart at the moment, at that specific time. So there's a time for everything. There's the time to catch the train. And if you miss it, well, you've got to wait for another one. And that's okay if it's coming in 10 minutes, unless you didn't have that 10 minutes to spare. And then that's going to be difficult. Gets more difficult if you miss the airplane. <laughs> but my friends, let's stay in sequence with the Holy Spirit. We're going to bring the tithes into the storehouse. 10% uh, of all of our increase, 10% of our income goes to the Lord. That is the tithe. The tithe means 10%. By the way, my wife and I are tithers, and this is an absolute tithing ministry. Praise God. I'll go to heaven shouting, praising the Lord, and also walking in the instructions of God to honor him with the tithe. So I want you to know that, yes, we are tithers. And my friends, while we give God the tithe, we also have the privileged opportunity from time to time to sow seed into special projects. And it was very interesting because it was only about you know, two weeks ago, the Lord spoke to my heart to raise the funds to record the new pure gold television program shows. So in order to knock out a half year of television programs where I go into the studio and just record one program after another, it cost $26,000 to do that. Now, since I have announced this need, we are now at the $21,000 mark. We had a person, a wonderful uh, ministry partner that put in 13 K. So she sowed a great seed and uh, she put that in. And I'm believing that we can reach that other 13. So we're getting real close to the overall 26. So we need 26 so that I can uh, pull the team together and go in and uh, produce these 
uh, television broadcast level, uh, high quality shows that literally go around the world to a viewing audience of over 3 billion people. Praise God. And we are, we are teaching and preaching out of Israel every single week, three times a week. They're on the Holy Land Broadcasting Network, broadcasting out of Bethlehem that goes all over Israel. And we are endeavoring to follow the scriptures to the Jew first, praise God. So we have got that established, and we're also preaching on other major networks that are giving us tremendous exposure. But like everything in life, you have to have new content. In the television industry, they call it evergreen. You have to have fresh stuff out. I do like evergreen trees also, by the way, praise the Lord. So come on and sow your best seed. Let's give God the tithe. What is an offering? Anything over and above the 10%. So as we tithe, let's also sow our best seed into this because we need 26. We're at 21. I believe with all of my heart, God's going to do it. He is going to do it. Praise God. Now, often the majority of the time, but not all of the time, but most of the time he works through his people who see the divine opportunity to sow seed in season. But, but pastor Stephen, it's Christmas time. Tomorrow is Christmas. I know. I thought the same thing. I said, Lord, this is Christmas season, but you know, watch, watch God do it right in the middle of Christmas season. Then we can roll into the new year and the ministry will have those funds to record the new programs. And my plan is to get into the studio uh, right around mid uh, the latter part of January and just knock out all of those recordings. Praise God. I'm already getting them ready to go. Praise the Lord. So while you're bringing the tithe in today to the storehouse, I want you just simply to ask the Holy Spirit what he would have you do so that you can not only close out this year, but you can sow into something where you're putting the seed into the soil at the right time. My friends, timing is everything in life. And we see here that even Solomon said to everything, there is a season. So this is a time, a season where we're going to pull that money together and broadcast those new shows, get them on these networks. And you stand with me on the front lines of world evangelism and building up God's people all over the world. Praise God. And we share the rewards together when we get to heaven. Look, watch this. Watch, listen very carefully. When I get to heaven and we all make it, and uh, let's say an angel somehow messed up in the heavenly accounting department. We know that doesn't happen, but let's just say an angel somehow uh, got, got the numbers wrong and he comes up to me. And when it's time for me to receive my rewards, he has all of these rewards for me, but doesn't have anything for my partners. I'll say, hold on. There's a mistake here. Uh, while God has provided the funds, God in so many ways, does it through his precious people. They also must share in the rewards of all of these lives that are being that, that were touched around the world. I can't take all of this myself. And that is what David established there at Ziklag, that, that condition of covenant partnership. Those that stay here and watch the goods, 
so that nobody comes while we're gone and steals it all. Those who stay here and watch the camp and watch our goods and watch the campsite while we go off and fight the battles, hey, we're all sharing in the rewards together. Not only those that fight the battles, including David himself, the leader, the king, but also those that stayed back and you know, made sure that when those guys came back, there's food so we can feed them. And also that our, our gear and families could stay, could stay there while we do our thing. David established an eternal covenant principle. We share in the rewards together. Hallelujah. Now, you know, as well as I do, heaven has the most accurate record keeping system there is. Glory to God. God never makes a mistake. And the rewards that come out of these great works of touching the world, literally, it's not a small thing. It's, it's actually uh, quite staggering what God has called us to in the sense where we have a voice uh, where I can stand behind a pulpit. And in many ways, like John Wesley said, the great Methodist preacher, the world, the world is my pulpit. Well, three billion people. Or a lot of people, are they all watching at the same time? No, but it is amazing how many do, praise God. Watching on television, watching on their smartphones, tablets, laptops, whatever. So come on, let's do this together, amen. So that when we get to heaven, we hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Little side note, little side note here. Years back, uh, someone asked Dr. T.L. Osborne, the great evangelist, uh, who ministered all over the world, you know, massive crowds and things like that. Somebody said, hey, what do I need to do to become wealthy? Well, of course, there's the basics. You honor God, God with a tithe and you, you give. But T.L. Osborne, he said, really, if you really want to become wealthy, you connect with a ministry that God connects you with. You know, you let the Holy Spirit uh, line you up, but you connect with the ministry and you make a determination that as, as God supplies your needs, uh, and then you hit that abundant realm, you're just going to begin to pour and pour and pour into that ministry. Now you don't wait till you have a whole bunch of money. You start tithing and you start giving right where you're at. But he said, that's how you become very wealthy. You basically say, I'm going to, uh, be the person that covers this, covers that. And you're just looking you're looking. I know uh, one church in Nigeria, the pastor, the pastor literally says, who wants the next 20 churches? And I think it was last year. I think last year they, uh, I think they, they started 2000 new churches. There's one pastor in Africa oversees 50,000 churches, but over there, it's like, who wants 50? Who, who will pay for the financing of the establishing of 50 new churches? Amen. So all, that's all that is. That's how you become wealthy. You connect with the kingdom assignment that has been given to a man or woman of God, and you just make an all-out commitment. Lord, bless me with a lot of money so I can get behind that mandate that that man has and help push that commission to fulfillment. And, and, and in all of that, you see a lot of people get saved and you see a lot of people in the church get built up strong and become victorious and, um, nothing else like it. That's, that is like the highest level of living. I do sometimes have people ask me to pray for certain things they want to engage in. And I can't help but think like, where's, where's God in this thing that you're wanting to do? Well, Pastor Stephen, I want you to bless it. I'm, I'm, 
I'm like, but how, how is God going to be glorified out of this? And by the way, what are you planning on doing with the profits, the proceeds that, that this would generate? Have you ever thought about that? Well, no, Pastor Steve, I just want to do this. Well, that seems to be a, uh, a situation where believers don't really catch the gravity of Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, that if you'll get behind the kingdom, if you'll begin to push the kingdom. Now, remember, the kingdom's gigantic. So you have to, you have to get lined up, and that takes the Holy Spirit, get lined up with the person that God has called you to get behind and push, push, push with money, money, money. <laughs> Why do you think Hobby Lobby is so wealthy? Because, uh, you know, Steve Green is just a nice-looking man. He's a nice family man. Oh, my goodness, he's poured millions and millions and millions of dollars into ministry. Who do you think bailed out or Roberts University when it was on the verge of bankruptcy? He did. He came in there when they were under so much drowning debt that it looked like it was game over. He came in there. How, how do you do stuff like that? You have to have a lot of money, but the reason all of this money is like flowing like that is you have a kingdom cause. You and your entire board of directors, you all view this as a kingdom assignment. Praise God. Heavenly Father, I pray for your people as they're bringing the tithe in and as they're sowing seed in this season so that this need is abundantly met. I thank you that you're going to take them to the upper echelons of wealth. Father, I thank you that in a baseball park or stadium or a basketball stadium, the upper echelons are the worst seats. You can't see anything. But in the realm of financial empowerment, the upper echelons is where people want to go. Father, I pray you take them to the top 1% of the wealth bracket of those within their state, that they'll know what that is and they'll aim for it. In Jesus' name. By the way, my friends, let's say you live in North Carolina. What is the 1% top wealth bracket? Just in case you're curious, it's anybody making over $700,000 a year. It's about the same for Georgia, a little bit less for Tennessee. It's about average nationwide. There are a few states, of course, that would be higher, like uh, Colorado, uh, California, etc. But right around that area, seven hundred, eight hundred thousand dollars a year, you're in the one percent category. Now, Father, I pray you take them there, and even more, so that they can write big tithe checks, so that they can give big offerings, not just once, but they'll have consistent breakthroughs, going from glory to glory. Now, Father, we thank you. We thank you for this need of the $26,000 being met abundantly. Father, in some ways, is a very small amount, but at the same time, it is the amount that's needed at this time, and we thank you that we call it done. Father, bless your people. Speak to their hearts, those that have not yet sowed, and direct them by your Spirit what they should do. We give you all of the praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Now, if you're mailing in your tithe, and your offering for the TV program, just send it to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina, 28654. If you're watching me online, as many of you do, or you're listening to me by podcast, jump on the ministry website and stephenbrooks.org. Look at the top. There's a header that says Give Online. Click that, and you'll see it'll say Tides and Offerings. Click that. 
It takes you to a giving page. It says fund, F-U-N-D. Click that. There's your drop-down menu. You'll see the area for the tithe. You'll see the area where you can give your offering for Pure Gold TV. Woo, praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Somebody's listening to me preaching the Gaza Strip because of your giving. Could be a, a Hamas person that wants to be the next uh, uh, Saul of Tarsus and get uh, get saved and uh, become a radical believer. Praise God, Amen. But all over the world, praise God, the word is going forth. Thank you for being a part of it. I'm so glad we're on the same team together. Woo! Praise the Lord. Now, let's jump today into a message about living in the now moment. Because I do know that your future is super bright. You know, kind of like the, like the song, your future's so bright, you got to wear shades. Uh, here's the only catch with that, though. Um, you can't live in the future because you have to be here right now. Now, we are going to prepare for it. We are going to plan on it. I've talked about that recently. We're going to be ready for it when we get there. We're going to implement good strategy, good goals. But at the same time, we can't live in the past no matter, even if it was spectacular, it's over and gone. And if it was not so good, uh, it's over and gone. Water under the bridge, praise the Lord. But my friends, again, while the future is going to be great, and there will be challenges, but we will overcome, we still, though, have to live in the now. Woo, praise God. And in light of that, I want you to meet me in Second Kings chapter 2. Now, this is a... Uh, very, very well-known chapter because it deals with the subject of the passing of the mantle from one great man of God to his protege. And then we see that young man, Elisha, then move forward and an even greater measure of the anointing. But I want us to see something very interesting in this story. Let's pray. Father, as we're jumping into your word, we ask that your Holy Spirit would really help us to dial things in super accurately concerning our current now focus, because we're living in the now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this. We thank you for your Holy Spirit helping us. We can't do it without him. In Jesus' name we pray, and together we say, Amen. So let's jump now to Second Kings and begin in verse 1. And it came to pass, when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Well, we have, we have two people in scripture that were translated physically straight in to heaven. And those two would be Enoch. And here we see also Elijah. And they had a, both of them had a tremendous walk with God, very close with the Lord. I, I do know there's a lot of uh, talk about who the, the two witnesses will be that are mentioned in the book of Revelation. And I know that sometimes people say Moses and Elijah. And there's good reasons uh, for why that could be the case. I personally believe that it's Enoch and Elijah. Those two skipped over the grave. And, you know, the truth is they're actually in heaven right now. And they, they even look almost like golden because they've been there so long. A matter of fact, a great prophet who is now in heaven, but a great prophet, uh, notice the prophet from the east, and that was Dr. D.G.S. Denikaran from Chennai, India, uh, a man known for a very 
uh, uh, just a, he, had, he had a fantastic ministry, a true prophet, but he had such he had such a good teaching ministry, and his teaching was always enjoyable. But he talked about one of the times he was caught up to heaven in a vision, and his spirit went to heaven to be with the Lord, and he was shown around heaven. But while he was in heaven, he was introduced by Jesus to the two witnesses mentioned in the book of Revelation. And he said, these two men came up to him and he said, it was Enoch and Elijah, praise God. And I, and I believe that. And matter of fact, he saw them at different occasions. I think the first time he had a vision in the 1950s and he saw them in heaven. And then later, if I'm correct, I think it was the year 2003, he had another vision and he saw them again in heaven after all of those years. And I tell you what, they're ready to come at the right moment. The book of Revelation is fascinating. And I will say this about the end times. You have to understand that the end times will be centralized in the Middle East. This is a Middle Eastern book. And I do believe that it's not, the end times will not unfold around a revived Roman empire with you know, the uh, 10 European leaders. I don't really believe that. I believe all of it's going down in the Middle East. Woo, praise God. And uh, I'm not saying that we'll be exempt over here in America or something like that, but I am saying that's a long ways away from the Middle East. And that that empire that will be, uh, you know, with an Antichrist and all of that over there, Um it all began out of the Middle East, and everything in the end time will be centered over there. So we will be certainly aware of it, uh, and I think there will be a, like a global-type reach. But when you read the Scriptures, and I'm not sure why I'm kind of deviating on this, but I feel in the Spirit somebody needs to hear this. When you read the Scriptures about the Antichrist ruling over the whole world, you have to understand the Eastern uh, mindset, the mindset of those that actually live over there. Uh, their whole world was the world they knew. It was the Middle Eastern world. It wasn't the North Pole. And I don't think the Antichrist is going to be ruling over any of the Eskimos. Uh, and it wasn't the an uh, the Antarctic and on and on it goes. There's remote places that, uh, no, he's not going to have any dominion over them at all. So, and there's also nations that will resist him as well. And of course, we would pray and believe that America would be such a nation. Many wonderful questions pertaining to that, which is why you should read and study the book of Revelation. I know it can be very um, uh, challenging, but there are uh, good insights through good teachers that can help you. That's just a little side note. That doesn't cost you anything extra. Praise the Lord. Uh, Pastor Stephen, that's so wonderful. I want to send in a million dollar offering. Yes. Uh, PO box 717 Moravian Falls, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I do believe that as we're seeing here, Elijah taken up physically into heaven and that, that the same thing happened with Enoch. I personally believe those are the two witnesses. Praise God. Now, let's move on before I uh, turn this into a uh, study on eschatology. Praise God. Now, then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on the Bethel. So he begins to make a journey going to what we would basically call the schools of the prophets. Each location that he goes to is a further, further descent in elevation. And uh, many of those types of experiences can be tests where you actually are living right. You are doing the right thing. Uh, 
sometimes the breakthrough is not overnight. Rarely is it ever overnight because it takes time to develop character. It takes time to develop the foundation to support the, the skyscraper that will go on top of it. So it's okay if it looks like you're going down, down, down. You're just digging, 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 digging so that the foundation is right. Now, let's get more into the meat of this today. That would be verse 8. Now, Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up, and struck the water. And it was divided this way and that, so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. So, again, very similar to Moses, smaller scale. But then again, uh, at times the Jordan River could be extremely uh, wide. And uh, just like Moses, there was a splitting of the Red Sea. They went over on dry ground. Nobody's slopping through, uh, through mud, getting mud all over their nice, uh, clean clothes. Nope, they're going over on dry ground. Same thing here. And so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask. What may I do for you before I am taken away from you? Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. Now, there is, there is a degree of truth that when we think of the concept of double portion, we think, well, if you have two, if you have now double, that would be four. Or if you had 10 and you had double, now that would be 20. And that actually is, uh, I, I truly believe, something that can be uh, validated in this uh, and the reason for that also is that if you count up the miracles of Elijah, and then you count up the miracles that are recorded that Elisha did, it does appear that there's double. I've heard different theologians. One counted them, and he had eight, and then he counted Elisha having done 16. Uh, another person counted, and he had Elijah doing 12, and then he had Elisha counted having recorded 24. So it kind of depends on what you're going to count in there as being a miracle. But no matter really how you run the numbers on it, it does appear that he actually got a literal double. But when we see here also the phrase double portion, that would be a direct Jewish reference to the birthright or the inheritance that would be received by the oldest son in the family. Now, we see that mentioned in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 21, verse 17. But he shall acknowledge the son of the unloved wife as the firstborn by giving him a double portion of all that he has. For he is the beginning of his strength. The right of the firstborn is his. So that was something special that was done for the firstborn. In other words, there were also many other spiritual sons of the prophet Elijah, and there are schools of prophets. Uh, and sometimes there is that question of who gets the mantle, who really is the spiritual son. And there are cases when the mentor or the prophet can go to be with the Lord that maybe there's not one clear individual, but maybe it fell on five or 10 and kind of got, got like uh, fragmented and went to some of them. Uh, and of course there would be a few that would get it a lot stronger than others. But so often though, you do see where one got it primarily and you see like uh, you see, for example, you see Moses and then you see Joshua here, you see Elijah and then you see a clear successor in Elisha. And that is more typical of a mantle that's transferred where the fullness would go over. And he's basically saying, I'd like to be the successor uh, so that, you know, uh, I can, I can carry on what God has called you to do any uncompleted assignments be happy to check them off for you even after you're gone Woo! praise God and that really is 
uh, having the same spirit, having the same heart and knowing uh, your stream, knowing your flow, and he wants to carry that on. Praise God. Mm -mm. In other words, it's not like after Elijah's gone, Elisha has to sit down with the committee and say, you know, I, I love my, my spiritual father, but I never really agreed with him doctrinally. Uh, his, I thought his theology was all messed up. So let's just rewrite a whole new articles of incorporation and just start this whole thing all over again. No, no, no. They, they were like totally both on the same page together. Glory to God. And that's very important. You know, when my wife and I met, and we met in church, not at a nightclub, not at a bar, not in some uh, weird place, you know, where there's sin being celebrated. We met in the house of God. And as we began to talk, her spiritual uh, uh, influencers, the people that she loved in the body of a Christ were the same ministers that I highly esteemed as well. And the first day we talked, we just hit it off and uh, we've been having a great time still talking still and, and enjoying the, the, the presence of the Lord and the goodness of God. But that is a unity in the spirit. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. And that's definitely something that he got. He received that portion. Praise God. This was not like a, a back room blessing done in private because we don't want anybody to know uh, because we want them all to think they all. No, no, no. He got it. Praise the Lord. And, you know, David almost blew it where he's laying uh not quite yet on his deathbed, but obviously he can't get warm. So he's, there's hardly any good circulation and his days are numbered, but he has never really publicly made it known that Solomon is going to be his successor. So what happens? Well, anytime, anytime there's like an element of a vacuum, uh, if you don't name it and you don't set it, somebody else will come in under the influence of the devil and uh, you had a mutiny. And uh, that, that was beginning to cook, and it was cooking fast too. But thank God, you know, you had a good priest stand with David. You had the good prophet stand with David. Uh, and even Joab went over to the, to the tribe, or not to the tribe, but the side of the betrayer. And um, but part of that was a judgment that was coming upon him for something wrong that he had done. But I tell you what, you need to have a successor appointed and do it right. You know, um, evangelist Billy Graham was yeah, his whole heart that beat it was, was a beating for evangelism. But there was a, there was a university president that saw Billy Graham when he was young and told everybody at the college, told all the professors, he said, he, this old, this old uh, president of the university said, look, I'm not going to live much longer. I've got to find somebody to take my place. And Billy Graham has God's hand all over him. And the professor said, well, but he's only 29 years old. And the old, the old president of the university said, I don't care if he's 29 years old. God's hand is all over that young man. And I want him. I want him to take my place when I'm gone. And you know what? All of his directors and all of the uh, 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 staff of, uh, you know, PhD doctorates, they all said, Okay, if that's what you want, and it does really look like God's with that young man. So, so uh, uh, Billy Graham came and spoke there at that university, and uh, the old man said, "Please, uh, when I'm gone, I want you to take my place and be the president of this university." 
And Billy Graham said, I, I, I can't do that. I'm, I'm called to travel. I'm, I'm a, an evangelist. That's how God uses me. I, I'm not called to be an administrator. And so he turned him down. But uh, just a little while after that, the old man was on his deathbed, and he called for Billy Graham to come visit him. And Billy Graham did. And the old man said, he said, would you do this? When I die, would you at least step in as an interim until somebody can be found to take my place? And Billy Graham, he was like, I couldn't tell him no. And he said, he said, okay, I'll, I'll step in only as an interim. Now he didn't know he was going to be the interim president for four years. So the old man died and he's, and he, uh, and he had told everybody that guy, that young man is going to take over and watch what God will do through him here at this university. Well, the old man died. And Billy Graham became the youngest ever president of a university. And he steps in, takes over, and I, I'm telling you what, he was like a lightning rod of favor. The students loved him. And he loved the students and uh, would eat with them, would fellowship with them, would talk with them. And, uh, and then as Billy Graham would go out to these major, uh, huge stadium crusades overseas and stuff like that, and people also found out he was a university president. Young people from all over the world flocked to that university. It was like a growth explosion that took place. <laughs> but finally, but finally it got to the point where he was stretched so thin. He said, I can't do it anymore. I cannot be an administrator anymore. I've got to go all out with the um, evangelism. And he did. But I tell you what, that old, that old uh, man in heaven was smiling who got, him, who got uh, Billy Graham in there because that, that pumped not only life into that university, and it pumped students in that university. It pumped millions and millions and millions of dollars into that university. Praise God. Hey, can I tell you a little secret? You might not want to tell everybody this because it's, it's interesting, but it's, it's flat out raw truth. Let me take a drink of something hop here just for a moment, and I'll, I'll tell you a little secret. I'll give you an example. I had a, I had a Pentecostal preacher, you know, because of where I live. I had a Pentecostal preacher one time overseas say, I don't understand it, uh, Pastor Stephen, how um, Billy Graham and Franklin Graham, I don't understand how they have all this money uh, when, when they're like Baptist. I said, oh, brother, you don't, you don't get it, do you? I, he said, I, I guess I don't. I, he said, what is it? I said, look, I said, you have to understand, Billy Graham was the greatest evangelist ever uh, as far as preaching to the multitudes in these massive stadium cru crusades. He was God's man. God put his hand on his life, and he became the preeminent evangelist in the world, not just in America, in the world. What does that mean? Can I tell you a little secret? Can I tell you what it means? It means he's a money magnet. It means the favor of God is all over his life. Well, Pastor Stephen, people come to his meetings. Uh, yeah, they come to his meetings and they give like crazy. <laughs> and look, it doesn't matter what, what stream of Christianity you look at. Let's say evangelicals. And you, you think Billy Graham. You think Samaritan's Purse which I, I don't know, I think last year they ran $800 million, a ministry, almost running a billion. I, I hope they may go way over a billion. 
because they use it for good. Did you see what Dr. Graham was doing, Franklin Graham was doing in Israel? <laughs> uh, you know, he's standing there down there in southern Israel, and uh, one, one of the Israeli men says, you know, they destroyed uh, 14 of our ambulances. Hamas just shot them full of bullet holes, and Dr. Franklin Graham stands there and says, well, he said, on behalf of Samaritan's Purse, we're going to replace all 14 of them, plus get you seven more. That's 21 brand new ambulances. I won't, I won't tell you how much they cost, but um, you, how, how, what's going on here? I'm just telling you, Billy Graham was gold. Um, okay, let, I'll give you another example. Let's go over to the Catholics. Um, when Padre Pio, a great Catholic saint, died, when he died in 1968, did you know that over 1 million people attended his funeral? Well, Pastor Stephen, I never heard of him. Trust me, if, if you have a million people show up at your funeral, there's probably somebody that knows who you are. <laughs> and he was extremely well known, not only in Europe and Italy, of course, but because of the American soldiers who many of them, you know, their involvement in Italy saw the miracles in that man's ministry. They brought that report back to America. It spread like wildfire. And, um, and so of course, not only with impeccable character and extreme charisma, that man, can I tell you the secret again? That man was money. That man was gold. Go, look at the hospital he built in San Giovanni Rotondo. No, no begging. Just say, God told me we need to build this hospital. Who would like to give? And money, money by the millions. Porzins, one of the leading hospitals in Europe, can hold its own with any hospital, any hospital in Europe. Incredible. Today, you cannot even you cannot even take his image. Like, I'll give you an example. In one of my books, I have a, a picture of him that I put in my book. But that picture only can be used because it's, it's based on common usage. In other words, I got it off of Wikipedia. But I cannot just go out there and grab a picture of him and put it in the book. Why? The Franciscans own all the rights to that. Why, well, Pastor Steve, why do, why do they do that? Because he's, he's money. He, he's been dead, Pastor Stephen, for over 50 years. Yeah, and the, and the money still pours in by the millions and millions of dollars. Some of you never quite saw that, did you, before? Pastor Stephen, we're having revival. You get, a, you, get, you get a good revival going, it'll run over a million dollars a night. E easy, easy. Every, not, not a week, not a month, every single night. Easy. It's, that's and on some levels that that's small that's small compared to what God does. <laughs> Praise the Lord! Remember, with revival, a rising tide lifts all ships. You will never be lower, not even in, not even an inch lower. You will never be lower than where you are right now. You're going nowhere but up. You are going absolutely nowhere but up. Mark my words. Praise God, because the Spirit of God is moving in your life. Mm -mm -mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. <laughs> See, it says in the Bible, He gave gifts 
unto men. Oh, he's just a preacher, Pastor Stephen, just like us. He's just, he's just like, uh, yes, he does eat just like you do. Even has to go to the bathroom just like you do. But don't think for a minute that he's normal in the sense that he doesn't have a touch from God. And if you can't see that, you, you should go to a Looney Tune farm. I had, I had a meal with a neighbor one time, invited me and my wife over. And the neighbor uh, who uh, worked, uh, her job was making uh, uh, pet food. And so she worked for a pet food company. And uh, that's, that was her job. But she said, oh, you, you preachers, she said, we're all the same in the body of Christ. We can all do the same thing. I said, uh, no, that's not scriptural. Jesus gave the fivefold ministry when he was ascending, where it says he gave gifts unto men and he named them the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. That is a calling, a full time calling, where you make your living doing that. That is a full time calling into a ministry office. It is a real valid office, just, just as real as a office of the president of the U.S. The fivefold ministry office is also packaged with supernatural equipment for those that are called into it. And if you're not called into it, you don't get the equipment that goes with it. She said, oh, no, 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 no. We're all the same. We're all the same. I said, would you want to put this to the test? Because we can find out real quick if we're all the same. Because I've got a minister friend. When he does a stadium crusade, he'll stand up and say, now, who, he'll teach a little bit and say, now, who wants to receive Christ as Lord? And people not only walk to the altar, many run to the altar. So you're telling me that I can tell him to sit down and take a break and I can bring you up. I can bring you up and you're going to stand up there and talk smooth and anointed to a giant crowd. And then you're going to give an altar call and they're going to come running to the altar. She, she got a little bit quiet at that, at that point. Mm, mm, mm. Praise the Lord. What was Elijah? He was a heavyweight prophet. You, oh, you better believe it. <laughs> well, Pastor Stephen, he, he showed some dysfunctionalism. Uh, he showed his humanity, but don't think for a moment that God's hand wasn't on him. When you're calling fire down from heaven, I'd say, yeah, you've got something special going on with the Lord. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Whoa, praise God. And so Elisha says, please let a double portion of your spirit. That is the prophetic grace, the prophetic gift that it be upon me. That that's very important because of what he's going to say next. So he said, you've asked a hard thing. <clears throat> wow, I had that reverberate through me a few months back. I had that reverberate through me so strong, it's like uh, I was shaking like jello. And it was the Lord speaking to my heart saying, whatever happened to my people asking me for hard things? Why, why does everybody have to ask for something so easy? God I'd like a new car. Now, it doesn't have to be a new one. It can be an old used one, but I'd like a car. I'd like a new one. And, you know, and it's like, it's like people are almost even apologizing while they're asking. Praise the Lord. But you need to ask for the hard thing. Ah, ah. But keep it in context. Keep it, of course, within your faith parameters. Yes, Pastor Stephen, I hear what you're saying. I tell you what. I'm stirred up, Pastor Stephen. I'm going to ask God for, for a billion dollars. Uh, hold on, brother. Uh, chill out just for a moment. You, you asking the hard thing. The hard thing, are you ready for this, has to be 
the now thing. The now thing. What is it that you need right now? Because you can't live in your tomorrow. You're going to get to your tomorrow eventually. But re remember, your vision, your goal, your assignment is accomplished how? In phases, one at a time, one at a time. Oh, Pastor Stephen, uh, Noah, he built that ark overnight. He just grabbed a saw and a hammer, and he had that thing up within 24 hours. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. Uh, let's push that out to a closer probably to about 100 years. He built the ark in phases. Now, he got it done. And when it was done, the vision did speak. Just like Habakkuk says, any true prophetic mandate will at the end, it will speak. And people were like, wow, that sure is a big ship. Wow, uh, that's quite impressive. Well, but even still, you're going to get it done in phases. So when you're asking for the hard thing, the hard thing, many people misunderstand it. They think it's something that's way out there 10 years that you're going to step into 10 years from now, and they're trying to live in there tomorrow. So what you have to do with the hard thing, it's the now thing that you need at this moment. It could be knocking out the next phase. Um, or it could be something that you're stepping into like he is, but, but it, it fits your assignment. In other words, he doesn't say, you know what? I'm so glad you've asked. I've always had a hankering for Baskin Robbins ice cream store and I'm asking for my own franchise. I want to own 31 of them. No, no, that doesn't, that's no, no, you're a prophet. You're called as a prophet. You need prophetic anointing. You need prophetic empowerment. And you're now having the greatest prophet on the planet ask you, what do you want? And he's like, yeah, I've been serving you, washing your hands, carrying your briefcase, washing your feet. And uh, thank you for asking. Yeah, this is what I want. I want what you've got. Double it. Mm. Okay, so your request has to fit your mandate. It has to fit your assignment or you're, you're like, you're like playing silly games. Look, what I'm trying to share today will help you get your prayers on a focus where they, they, uh, your answer to prayers starts moving up to a, to a new level. Why? You're on target. You're in context. You're on your assignment. Look, my assignment is so important to me that there's other things I need in life. There's other things swirling around in my life, but I just trust God to work all of that out. I trust God to take care of that. My focus is getting done what he has put in my hands to do. Glory to God. And as I do that, God takes care of my business. In other words, as I take care of his business, he takes care of my business. If you'll adapt that biblical philosophy, you'll start moving and you'll get unstuck. Mm -mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. God's going to get you unstuck. Some of you, the thing that you need to ask for, because it's the now thing, is the thing that you have not yet got the next phase knocked off. And maybe it did get stuck in the mud. Maybe it has sat there for two and a half or three years, and you couldn't move it. But yet you're asking God for all kinds of other stuff. No, no, no. You need to ask God to get that thing moved. That's what he gave you to get done. You need to get that moved. Praise God. Well, uh, Pastor Stephen, I, I know I'm, uh, I, I, that's what I look. look let me let me help you. Look at this just for a second. Go with me to the book of Psalms. And that will be uh, Psalm 40. Mm -mm. 
Is this helping you today? I sense that through the camera you're saying yes, and I'm glad that it is. Praise God. Psalm 40, verse 1. This is, of course, King David. I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined to me and heard my cry. Uh, by the way, hang out with God. Uh, he will talk to you, but you can't just jump in there and rush into His presence and get an answer. Just hang out till you get calm, till you get peaceful, and just stay there. God start talking to you. And so, and he did to David. He heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. What happened? He got David out of the mud. David was stuck in mud. And some of you have been stuck also in areas where there should be movement. It's like, it's like having a chariot. That's just got stuck in the mud and you can't get it out. You know, mud does create a suction. It creates a, a vacuum effect. There's a scientific term for that. Uh, so you can get stuck in there and I tell you what, the more you pull, it's like the worse it gets, but God's going to come and he's going to get you out. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. I'm here to proclaim to you today that I believe that within three months, God's going to get your stuck, unstuck, get you out of the mud and get you up out of a rock, get you up on a rock. Now, if you believe that with all of your heart right now, shout hallelujah. Mm, mm, mm. Mm, mm. You're finishing this year strong. You're going into the glory, praise God, and God's getting your stuck, unstuck. Praise God. Well, Pastor Stephen, what should I ask the Lord for? You should ask him for that thing that stuck to get unstuck. Now, let's go back right now to 2 Kings chapter 2. And uh, if you don't have a pen, I want you to hit pause just for a moment and go get a pen. If you don't have your Bible with you, uh, yeah, just keep it on pause, grab a pen and grab your Bible, okay? And then come right back. Okay, and now you've got it. Here we go. Now, I want you to go back with me to 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 9. And it says, And so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask, what may I do for you before I'm taken away from you? Elisha said, Please let a double portion over your, of your spirit be upon me. So he said, You've asked a hard thing. Now, you're going to ask for the hard thing, and I'm going to want you to write it down in your Bible, right on this page, right next to that scripture or up above, up at the top, if that's the only area where you have some room to write. But I want you to think about what you're going to write. First of all, I want it to be the hard thing. What is the hard thing? It's the thing that's stuck in your life and only God can move it for you. Okay. It's not something that you're going to step in for in 15 years. I know that you have vision. I know that you are, you are prophetic. I know that you can see down the line and you can see something out there and it might be 10 or 15 years out there. That's not what I'm asking you to ask God for. I'm asking you to stay in the now. You cannot live in the future. You've got to stay in the now. Vision is accomplished in phases. So you're going to ask for the hard thing to move that stuck part of your vision. You're going to ask him to move it and you're going to ask him to do it and watch. I believe within three months, it'll be gone. It'll be gone. It'll be gone. Mm -mm. Now take your Bible, write it, uh, open it up to second Kings chapter uh, two, verse 
10, right around verse 9 to verse 10, write it down. My hard thing is, and write it down, date it. Praise God. Date it. And watch, I believe in three months, it'll be done. Why? Because you're not asking God for something that's so far out there that it's even beyond your current faith. No, God's going to meet you right where you're at, and the next miracle that is due is going to get checked off. Glory, 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 glory to God. Praise the Lord. Give it all of your heart. Stay focused. Put everything you have into it. That's how you make progress. Glory to the Lord. Focus on what you need right now. Did you have it written down? Good. Now don't write down 10 things. Maybe, maybe there's a, a number one, a number two, maybe at the most a number three. Okay. But you can clearly see what the number one is. Write it down. And because maybe it's not a giant major thing, but it still needs to go write it down. And then you may have another thing under that, but you know, that will be the next phase. You could put that, but you're going to go and you're going to see that big one checked off. Watch within three months. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Focus on what you need right now. We see this in first Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31, but earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet I show you a more excellent way, which is why we have chapter 13. He moves us into love. The gifts must operate by love. The gifts operate through faith, but faith works through love. But my friends, there still are the best gifts. And, uh, you know, you, you have the, the revelation gifts, the vocal gifts, the power gifts. Out of them, they can be broken down into sub-hitters where you can put one at the top and the other two beneath that in ranking. But there's also the context of what is the best gift. It's the one that you need at that time. Mm -mm. Hey, if you and I are out in the middle of a desert and we've run out of water and our Jeep broke down and we have no radio contact and we're starting to get real thirsty, what are we going to do? Pastor Stephen, I feel the gift. I feel the anointing of the spirit. What is it, brother? What is it? Uh, Pastor Stephen, I feel tongues and interpretation. Uh, mm, that, that's good. I, 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 don't, I don't know if that's what we need right now. Pastor Steve, what do we need? I think we need a miracle. <laughs> I think we need the special faith and the gift of working of miracles. We need some water. Woo. Pastor Steve, I feel the gift of prophecy. Uh, that's good, but we may not live long enough to see it fulfilled. I think we need a miracle. We need some water. <laughs> what gift is best? The one that you need at the moment. What should I ask God for? The thing that you need right now is the thing that's stuck so he can get you unstuck. Mm, 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 mm. One more scripture, Hebrews chapter 11. You got it written down. Mm, mm. Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So theologians have had a little bit of a quarrel over this where they say, we don't really know if the word now is in reference to faith like being present tense, or if maybe this word now is a conjunctive where Paul is finishing what he said in verse 39, and he's just going into his next statement, and he says now, and he's using it as a word of continuation to kind of like tie it together. Oh, but it's still okay. Whether this word now is given a double emphasis on present tense or not, that's okay because we still have it. Can you see it? Now 
Let's, let's just take the word now away. Let's say it's just a conjunction. Take it away. I believe it's, it's a double emphasis, but just take it away. Take the word now away. Faith is. What is is? Let me ask you. Is is past tense? Something already done? Where now you can relax because you don't need to do it anymore? Or is it present tense where uh, two years from now when we get there, then we'll start to use our faith? Or is it right now? So it's not, excuse me, it's not, it's not future tense, but it's right now. It's present tense. Thank you, Jesus. So faith is, or faith is present tense. So it's now. We're right back to now, even if you take the word now away from the beginning of that verse. Now faith is. Faith is now. What does it mean? The stuck thing in your life that's in the mud, God's going to lift that thing up because he's strong enough to do it, and he's going to get it done. He's going to put you in a rock, and he's going to say, all right, we did it. What's next? What do you need me to do next for you? Woo! Watch. Watch. Watch this. If you ever learn to ride a skateboard or a bicycle, you don't ever forget. It's called, in sports science, it's called muscle memory. And even if you've learned to ride a bicycle and you don't ride one for five years, you and I both know, even though you haven't been on one for five years, you can get back on one and ride it again. You don't have to go through training wheels and that whole experience like you did maybe when you were a little child. No, no, no. You're ready to go. Why? Muscle memory. It works in the natural, and there's a parallel in the spirit realm. Once you see how God answers prayer, because you're on target, you're in the now, you're on your assignment, and you're, you're going after the now thing, and you get it checked off, you're like, oh, oh, so that's how that works. Okay, Lord, let's do it again. Now, the next thing could be, could be a little bit bigger. Okay, that, that's okay. It all works the same. You, put your, you, you, you ask God, you put your faith on it, and boom, God comes through again, as he always does when we are in alignment, agreement, and harmony with his word and his spirit. Praise God. Lift your hands. I want to pray for you. Father, I pray for those that are watching right now. I pray that as they write down their hard request, it not be some kind of random hard request or something that they make up just because they think, yeah, that would give God a good workout. No, it's an on-target request, just like Elisha's was on target. Father, let their request be on target. Let them be on assignment. Because of this, we thank you that it's going to bring you glory when you answer it, when you do it. And Father, we give you all of the praise. We do thank you, and we do declare that there's nothing too hard for you just as you told the prophet Jeremiah. So Father, I speak to your people, and I speak to them. I say, there's nothing too hard for the Lord. He's going to do it. Now, Father, we give you all of the praise that you're seeing what they're writing. I ask them to write it down. If they're listening by podcast or watching me on the internet, I have asked them to write that down. You see who is following this instruction, and you're, you, could, you will even see what they write. And I thank you, Father God, that you're going to do it. We give you all of the praise. We give you all of the praise. My friends, lift your hands. Father, we give you all of the praise that you are a mighty God and you're smiling right now over your people. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Woo! I tell you, God is a mighty God. 
He is a mighty God. He's going to show himself strong on your behalf. He's going to lift that thing up out of the mud. Watch him do it. And you're going to move forward. You're going to move forward. Mm -mm. Praise God. Now, if you're watching me today and you don't know this mighty God in a personal way, you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Let's get you ready to go to heaven right now. All you have to do is turn to the Lord. Put your faith and trust in him. Surrender your life to him. And you're going to be ready. Are you ready to pray? Now also, maybe you used to be a, a Christian and you used to follow the Lord, but you were deceived by the devil and you ended up falling away and you went off in, into a life that you regret, of course. My friends, come back right now and get washed clean with the blood of Jesus. Jesus left the 99 to go after the one. Jesus is going after you right now. This is your moment. Come on back right now. Let us all pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I give my life to you completely. Jesus, I repent of all of my sins. Wash me now with your precious blood that you shed for me on the cross at Calvary. Jesus, save me now. Write my name in your book of life. Thank you, Jesus. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. In your great name I pray. Amen. And amen. Praise God. Praise God. That is a prayer that God heard, and He has answered it. And the angels in heaven are rejoicing. Praise the Lord. Now, let's take Holy Communion. Mm -mm. Christmas is almost here. Did you get all your packages wrapped? Praise the Lord. Amen. Make sure you take communion also on Christmas Day. Praise God. Grab some unleavened bread. Grab some grape juice. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. As we pray this prayer, we now set it apart as being holy. We thank you that this is the body and the blood of Jesus. Father, as we receive the Lord's body, we thank you for strength. We thank you for wisdom. We thank you for accurate prayer request. We give you all of the praise. We thank you that we're going to see your power. We're going to see your power on display in Jesus name. Amen. Let's partake together. Mm -mm. You know, in Psalm 40 verse three, David said, I will sing a new song. This is after he got up out of the mud got put on the rock when he got unstuck. He said, I'm going to sing a new song. New songs come out of new revelations of God's glory and power. When you see God do something in your life, you say, wow, that was some power. What comes next? A new song just begins to float up and you sing it to the Lord. Woo, you're going to be singing your new song. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you that we're saved, purchased, by the shed blood of Christ, your son, we thank you, Father God, that we have been made fit for heaven by the work that Jesus accomplished for us. We thank you that we're going to take as many people with us to heaven as we can. Thank you. Put them in our paths, O God. Let their hearts be open. Those that have hearts that are ready, put them in our paths so that we can have conversations about you. Now, Father, we thank you for your great love. We give you all of the praise. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us receive his holy blood.
Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. My friends, I pray you have a wonderful Christmas. Enjoy your time with your family, friends. Praise the Lord. Spend some time early in the morning in prayer so that you have the Lord's presence with you. And also, let me say again, another big thank you to everybody sowing and giving towards the Pure Gold TV program so that we can meet the 26K budget. And I believe go over it. Go over it. Praise God. Praise God. There's a couple of neat little things we could do if we go over it to um, beef up the program. I'll talk more about that later. But thank you for your giving. Thank you for your support. Standing with us in prayer. We love you so much. And I'll see you back again real soon. Bye-bye.